Good morning. Glad you're here. We are uh, starting a new message series today, and we're looking at boy meets girl. Basically, what it means to be a man or a woman in this world. Why, why are we looking at that, you might ask? What, does that, what difference does it make? Because um, as you get into Scripture, you find out that you're not just a human. You are a male human or a female human. At the core of our identity, we are either male or female. Um, I'd like to get a little help this morning in just looking at some of the differences, sort of to kick off the the message series. There's a man named Mark Gunger who is a, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his last name, but he's a pastor in Wisconsin and a speaker who has some fun describing the differences between men and women. This is from a talk he does called The Tale of Two Brains. So let's look at what he has to say. I want to start with men's brains. All right. Now, men's brains are, are very unique. Men's brains are made up of little boxes. And we have a box for everything. We've got a box for the car. We've got a box for the money. We've got a box for the job. We've got a box for you. We've got a box for the kids. We've got a box for your mother somewhere in the basement. We've got, we got, we, we got boxes everywhere. And, and the rule is, the boxes don't touch. When a man discusses a particular subject, we go to that particular box, we pull that box out, we open the box, we discuss only what is in that box. All right? And and, and then we close the box and put it away being very, very careful not to touch and I got bringing that in there for a minute, but I <laughs> I'm not a Catholic, but I went to Catholic school when I was little. I, I had a nun who taught on hell like she was born and raised there. I mean, I'll never forget it. But uh... <laughs> it did me good, actually. It was a good thing. Now, women's brains are very, very different from men's brains. Women's brains are made up of a big ball of wire. And everything is connected to everything. The money's connected to the car, and the car's connected to your job, and your kids are connected to your mother, and everything's connected to everything. And it's like... It's like the internet superhighway. Okay? And, and it's all driven by energy that we call emotion. It's, just... it's, it's one of the reasons why women tend to remember everything. Because if you take an event and you connect it to an emotion, it burns in your memory and you can remember it forever. The same thing happens for men. It just doesn't happen very often because, quite frankly, we don't care. (laughs) Women 
tend to care about everything. And she just loves it. <laughs> okay. Now, men, we have a box in our brain that most women are not aware of. This particular box has nothing in it. It's true. It's true. In fact, we call it the nothing box. And of all the boxes a man has in his brain, the nothing box is our favorite box. <laughs> if a man has a chance, he'll go to his nothing box every time. That's why a man can do something seemingly completely brain dead for hours on end. You know, like fishing. We love it. That's, that's why a guy can sit in front of a TV and go. That's a pretty clever and humorous way to look at some of those differences that we have. Um, and God, God intended us for to enjoy these differences. That's, that's his heart and goal for us. He actually is basing that on some groundbreaking research that came out several years ago. I read the, the book that describes the research that was done on the brains because we're, we're the same until six weeks in the, in the womb. And then hormones, guy gets a hormone bath that totally rearranges the way he thinks and what happens. One thing it does, and he was referring to it, is that it, it makes it so the, the left and right side of our brain isn't as connected as it is with women. So that's what he was talking about. You know, it's all together. And so women do have the ability to articulate emotions. They, they talk through problems. Men, men tend to compartmentalize. We're able to just lock on to an objective or something that we're talking about. And that, that really goes on. I, I bring that up. I, I wanted to watch that just as an introduction to this whole subject matter that we're going to be dealing with over the next several weeks. Because if you want to flourish and do well in life, you need to understand what it means to be a man or a woman and learn to appreciate what, what the other gender brings to the table. Men and women, as you get into Scripture, you find out we're, we're complementary opposites. That was God's intent. And when, when they get together, when boy meets girl, it's unpredictable. This is a part of life that God intended to be. Listen to Proverbs 30, 18 through 19. It says, There are three things that are too amazing for me, four that I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a snake on a rock, the way of a ship on the high seas, and the way of a man with a maiden. So th these are things that you can't trace. They're unpredictable. 
An eagle in the sky. You can't trace the path of an eagle in the sky. Snake on a rock. You can't do that either. Maybe on sand, but not on rock. Uh, you, a ship doesn't leave a footprint. Just, just a little bit of a wake for a while, but it goes away. You can't trace the path uh, of a ship. The, these are things that are unpredictable, and, and it's hard to understand what they're going to do next. And, and when boy meets girl... You don't ever know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen next. Full of drama and surprise. Love stories provide the greatest drama. Um, and the best moving, movies, the blockbusters anyway, are the ones action-packed with romance tucked in there. Um, God has wired these differences into us uh, to make life interesting, to provide for drama. John Gray wrote a book a while back uh, called Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. And he tells a a story that he made up to describe the differences and why we're at today, uh, where we are today in, in understanding them. But anyway, men are from Mars. They're the Martians. Women are from Venus. They're the Venusians. The Martians, he says, spotted the Venetians and they traveled to their planet. Though they were from different worlds, they reveled in their differences. They enjoyed one another. Then they flew to Earth. The effect of the atmosphere of the Earth caused amnesia. And they forgot that they were from different planets and that they were supposed to be different. Since then, there has been conflict. That's, that's his opening story. And we do have planetary-sized differences in the way we approach life. Our, our culture also is suffering from mass amnesia about our differences, about what it means to be a man or a woman. And the major impact of this amnesia is seen in our dating patterns, in our marriages, uh, in other relationships where we relate to the other gender. Uh, we, we've become... Sexually dysfunctional, not, not physically as much as relationally because of these differences, because of this amnesia. So what we're going to do in this series is we're, we're going to go back to the beginning of time in Scripture and we're going to dig out what the Bible says about all of this and what it means for our everyday lives, the way we go about our own relationships. We find in Scripture that there is design and purpose in our differences. <clears throat> Men aren't from Mars. Men aren't from Venus. That's just for fun. But actually, God made us with, with these planetary size differences. Uh, look at Genesis 2, 15 through 20. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. So God put them in the garden. He drew the boundaries around this one tree. Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had, form, had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and the beasts of the field. But for Adam, 
no suitable helper was found. Before this passage, as God was creating the universe and the world in which we live, God had said, it is good seven times. Then here, all of a sudden, he says, it is not good. It's the first time he said something wasn't good that was going on in the work he was doing. And what, what is he saying wasn't, what he's saying is not good is that Adam had no suitable helper for him. The first man needed help. He needed a suitable helper. That word literally means counterpart. The word for suitable helper. <clears throat> it's complementary opposite like two two corners of a box that come together and make a hole or imagine a two-piece puzzle <laughs> where they fit together and they, they make a hole. This is, this is what uh, God's intent was in creating male and female, were to be complementary opposites to one another. Now, what was she supposed to help him do? <clears throat> First of all, the work that God had assigned to him. He was to care for the planet that God put him on, to care for the garden that he put him in. That was the first thing she was to help with. They were, they were to work together on this, to enjoy companionship as they did the assignment God had given them in this world. Then secondly, you find out in a few verses after this that she was to help him be fruitful and increase in number. And let's face it, that wasn't going to happen without her. <laughs> There's no way. They were going to multiply without her. But it was a part of God's plan all along. You need both, male and female, to do these things. From, from Genesis, we gather why we attract to the opposite and why sometimes we repel one another. And we're going to dig into that right now. First of all, why do opposites attract? The answer is we need help. That was plain from Genesis 2 there, that passage I read. The companionship of marriage is designed to improve the quality of our work and, and help us to endure the work that we have, the work that we've been assigned by God. And I, I can only speak from my experience, but my, my wife adds a dimension to my life that I wouldn't have without her. Uh, as I go about doing the work God has assigned me, on this planet, she sees things from a very different angle, and she sees things that I miss. I don't see. And that's, that's happened. We, we came to Diamond Bar to start the church 21 years ago, and her signature is all over this, this group of people, all, all over this church that we have, because she's helped me. She has a different set of radar than I do. She's helped me see things that were missing and helped me to... Uh, get outside of my little box <laughs> that I live in sometimes. And so she, she has really been a big help. And that's, that's what God intent, intends. God, God gives every one of us a part of the planet to work and care for. Uh, he gives you a place to live, a neighborhood to live in. He gives you a community that you live in. And his intent, his assignment is we're to care for it. We're to make it better. And he originally wants us to do this in the context of uh, being a man or a woman. And both 
bring something different to that to that table as we as we work on this. Work is draining. We lose perspective. And we need help to endure this stuff. Encouragement, help, perspective, so that we can do our best in what God's assigned us to do. That's God's intent. He wants us to enjoy one another as, as we move through, through life. The differences in the gender are meant to spice up life in a good way and, and make it more enjoyable so we can hang in there. And do what God has asked us to do. Put a little spring in our step. That's what he wants. Uh, my son went to college and they used to say that a guy, when he was interested in a girl, he was spitting it. I have no idea what that means. But, you know, he's, he's got a little spring in his step. He's, 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 that's, what, that's what God intends by this whole thing. Um, so that's the first thing. As we do the work God has assigned us, he wants us to enjoy the companionship of one another, and, and help each other do this work and endure, make it more enjoyable. And then he wants us to raise children together. As you get married, uh, he, he wants the two to raise the kids. And Cindy definitely sees things in raising the kids. Our kids are almost cooked, pretty much cooked. Our son is done. And our daughter is pretty much cooked. She's, she's a freshman in college. Thad got married a couple months ago. Our son, and then Lindsay, she's a freshman in college, so she's pretty much done, but you still give a lot of guidance. I thought it was pretty much over when they went to college. Oh, boy. That is, it gets hairier. <laughs> because they're, they're making major decisions that are going to impact the rest of their life. So that's when it really ramps up. <laughs> but um, anyway, she's almost there, and they're great kids. We love them. But as we were raising the kids, she she saw what was going on in them in a very different way than I did, and I saw very differently than she did. Um, and God intends for two people to be working on this together because he doesn't just want us to raise kids and keep them alive until they turn 18 and leave the house. He wants us to raise godly offspring who will really make a difference in the world that they live in. And that, that really takes the work of two people. If you're a single parent, you're, you're doing the work of two people. I commend you. It's a very, very tough job that you're doing. And here at CIV, one of the values of being plugged into uh, a congregation is you have the ability to gather some other perspective as, as men are around who can get involved in the kids' lives or see what's going on. And we, we want to do that appropriately as we can, um, but that's a real value of being plugged into a congregation where you live life together and, and you go through it. But um, God's design, though, is for two people to work on this thing with complementary strength. So we need, we need one another as we go through life. Cindy thinks of things I don't miss. If, we, if, we, if I get a call from one of the kids, uh, they're, they're at both out of state, I get a call from one of them and have a conversation she thinks of 25 questions that I would have never thought of to ask them. She wants to know what's going on. That's, that's the difference between a man and a woman. It's all in there. Guys are thinking, I'm only going to talk about what the call regard, is regarding. You know, <laughs> just one thing. That's all I, just let's cover one thing at a time. We'll call them later if we need to. Um, but that's, that's not how gals tend to think. I, I've seen this pattern in, in the lives of my friends as well. 
but we're different. So we need both of us to work on this stuff, and you, and you need help. God's designed us to be interdependent. He hasn't intended us to be independent where we do life on our own, in our own way. Church is a picture of that. Marriage is also a picture of the interdependence that we have built into us by God. So that's why the opposites attract. We need help. Secondly, why do opposites tend to repel in our day? The answer to that is we need God's help. Now, Cindy and I have a very good marriage. Uh, last I checked, that's a bold statement for a husband to make. <laughs> because I've learned that you always need to ask the wife. She's clued in. <laughs> the guy, he's, you know, whatever box he's dealing with at that time, that's how he sees what's going on. Um, but we have a good marriage that we both enjoy, but, but there are still frustrations on both sides. Our, our differences can easily become a battleground. Uh, what was once cute and endearing can become annoying like fingernails on a chalkboard. Ah, <laughs> very easily. What God meant to be a help and a blessing becomes a strain very easily. This, this happens as we, as we relate to one another in general, but especially so, so in the context of a marriage uh, that's going on. So, why is that? Why does that happen? The answer is, we need more help than any one human being can give us. And there's a reason that we need more help than any one human being can give us. It's because we have some deep problems that come to the surface as we relate to people so different than us. As we relate to our opposites and as this friction takes place, as the strain begins to, to come to the surface, we identify some things that we need help with that are beyond any human being or any purpose. And what God has done, we're going to find out later on. Uh, well, okay, let's, let's stick with this first, then I'll come back to that. Look at the last verse in Genesis 2, verse 25. The man and his wife were both naked. And they felt no shame. Interesting statement. And it's made for a reason. The reason it's made is because that is all about to change. Look at Genesis 3. We're going to skip ahead. Genesis 3, 6, and 7. Satan talks the woman into, he's tempting her. And this is an account of her caving into the temptation. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. God, God had said not to eat from this tree. But here was an opportunity to live life independent of God, to get wise in her own right without him. And she stepped, she busted through the boundary and, and caved into the temptation and ate it. Then the eyes, of, oh, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. They hadn't realized that before. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. It's interesting. The, the first man and woman sinned, and then they felt shame for the very first time. They had never felt guilt. They had never experienced shame until this moment. So now, as a result of that, life and our relationships aren't what they once were intended to be by God. Because we made this choice. Sin entered 
into us and our world, creation itself, the scripture says, has been tainted by um, this sin. And not quite sure all the ways that's so, but it is so. Um, but they felt shame for the very first time. Notice that uh, they realized they were naked. You know, a person isn't called naked if just any part of their body showing, but the parts of their body that reveal their gender. That's when we consider them naked. And the first man and woman, they, they didn't cover their entire body, but they covered their masculinity and their femininity. So sin didn't affect them as generic human beings. It, it affected them as a man and a woman. So what it means to be a man and a woman is now distorted. <clears throat> and God is the only one who can help with this problem. When men are disconnected from God, they lose their distinctiveness as men. And it's the same for women. When they're disconnected, they lose their distinctiveness as women. So rather than, and then rather than attract to one another, we repel. And in marriage, that certainly is the case at times. There is real frustration that grows out of this guilt and shame. Sort of infects our relationships. Um, and you know what? My wife can't help me with this. No other man or woman on the face of the earth can help me with this. Only God can. Now, this has been quite a learning curve for me. And I think it is for all of us. It's so this time. But my goal in, in choosing the person I would date was basically so I'd feel good about myself. So I'd look good with the woman I was with or the, the girl <laughs> I was with. And that was basically it. It was all about me when I started out dating. And God had to do some work in my heart to help me get over myself in this way. And so I had a pattern. I would date a girl, then we'd break up, and then I would ignore her, act like she didn't exist. And that was hard to do. And, you know, when you're in school and classes together and all that kind of stuff, you had to give cold shoulders and ignore. It took work to ignore people that way. But I decided I got more serious. I got to college. When I got to college, I got more serious about my walk with God and started to really try to work on how to do what pleases him rather than just what pleases me. And I began to sort through everything. And I decided that, I needed to take some time off from dating to clear my head and just to go before God to work on what it means to know him and hear from him and begin to live life the way that he wants me to. And I set during that time, I set some boundaries on who I would date, and I decided that I wouldn't go on a mindless chase again after a woman. I just wouldn't do it. I, I, I was... In fact, what I decided is I was just going to be content being single for the rest of my life, if that's what God wanted. I was okay with it. And I, in my heart of hearts, I know I was okay with that. And so I did that. I didn't go on a, a mindless chase for women, and I just walked with God, tried to get to know Him better, soak in Scriptures, try to figure out what ministries, how do you help people grow in their walk with God, and 
focused on those things. And, and then I met Cindy. And uh, she, she was everything I was looking for. She was everything I wasn't looking for. Remember, I wasn't looking. <laughs> I was paying attention, however. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. I was paying attention. And so I was attracted to her. She, she lied, everything, her heart was heading in the same direction. We had the same values. Wanted to live for the same thing. So we started dating. It was quite a ride when we first started dating. Sparks were flying in every way you can imagine. We, we really liked each other, but boy, we argued a lot. It was unbelievable. Anyway, after a few months, we broke up. So guess what I did? I ignored her. <laughs> and I acted like, that's really hard to do in a college of 800 people where you're eating in a small cafeteria. But I did. I ignored her. And then God convicted me over the summer of the wrong I had done to all the girls that I had dated to that point. And when he convicted me of my wrong, I was cut to the core. I was ashamed of the way I had acted. And so I went to God and I said, God, I have messed up here. I have been completely wrong. Will you forgive me? And he did. He he poured his forgiveness into my heart. Now I went back and to every every gal I had ever dated that I could find and asked them to forgive me. And there's one out there that if she's listening, <laughs> let me know you're here and I will I will straighten that out as well. But I couldn't find her. But um, <clears throat> it might have been good. That was one of the roughest. <laughs> oh, anyway. Uh, my point is this. When I was convicted, I was cut to the core. I was very ashamed. And <clears throat> God was the only one that could help me with that. Maybe you're there. Maybe you've been there. You've been ashamed. You've, you've felt guilt. And that shame has infected your relationships with the people around you. Only Jesus can erase the shame that you feel. He, he is the only one who can help you with this. No one else can. He paid for your sin. He paid for my sin with his death. He purchased our freedom from it so that, so that we can be free from the guilt and the shame that we've experienced. God says in Isaiah 44, I have swept away your offenses like a cloud. And that's what happens when you come before God and when you ask him to forgive you, you admit your sin, freely before him, openly. You, you commit to follow him with, for the rest of your life. The very first time you do that, he forgives you. And he gives you eternal life. And, and that begins to work its way into all of your relationships. Now, when I start leaning on Cindy to make me feel better, or when I start leaning on other people to make me feel better about myself, there's never enough there. God is the only one that can give me what I need in, in the, the heart of hearts. In my heart of hearts, at the deepest level, He is the only one that can erase the guilt and shame. He is the only one that can help me. If, if you're married, if you're thinking about getting married, if you'd like to get married someday, get this figured out right now. He is the only one that can meet your deepest needs. And out of his love, forgiveness, and grace, then you have the strength to pour into the other person. 
that he brings your way or the other person that's in your life right now. This is a very important thing to understand. I need to go to God to find the forgiveness that only he can give. And then I'm free to love the people in my life and become the man that God made me to be. And the same will be for you. He wants you to become the man or the woman that he's made you to be. The only way that's going to happen is connecting with him, gaining the forgiveness that wipes away the guilt and shame, and then beginning to pour out of that to the other people in your life. That's the way it works for all of us. It's the way it is. Next week, we're going to look at uh, what the creation account tells us about being a man. The next week, we're going to look at what it says about being a woman. I'd like to ask you, if you would, to take out the connection card. There's some next steps on it that you may want to take. We're going to be looking at the account of creation in Genesis 1 through 3. So that might be something you want to do. Read Genesis 1 through 3 and pull some things out of it. Uh, gain an understanding of the big picture there. And then uh, you may want to just pray for your spouse this week. That, that's a good thing to do uh, all the time. But try to be a help to them. And then finally, you might want to set your heart to be a help, not a hindrance. And, and let God, let God meet the need that only he can meet. And then out of that, try to be a help to the people around you. If you're married, to your spouse. If you're not, to the people around you. Uh, that's, that's the way you find freedom in it. People can't give you what you need in your heart of hearts, the basic needs. They, they, they can't be everything you need. Let's go to the Lord. Father, I thank you for your goodness to us, your patience and kindness. Thank you for the forgiveness that you poured out in my heart and in the lives of those here who have turned to you for that forgiveness. Thank you for the grace that you offer that really works its way into all of our relationships as we continue to follow you. So, Father, I pray that as you brought things to mind and cut our hearts in different ways, cut to our hearts in different ways, I pray that you give us just the, the wisdom to turn to you and experience the forgiveness that you have for us. We ask for your help in these things. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.